Welcome to Blast Beats and Bicycles, the bicycle hour here at McAllister College Radio, 91.7 WMCN in St. Paul, Minnesota. We're going to spend the next hour talking about all kinds of fun bike stuff. We've got our guest, Charles Yule, the founder of Art Crank with us. Charles, how are you doing? Better than I deserve to be, again, as always. <laughs> Enjoying every single minute. Awesome. Well, it's Reliving great to... my misspent youth here live on the air, <laughs> indulging kind of, in a little therapy. It's, it's kind of good. fun to go into the Wayback Machine, isn't it? Oh, yeah. 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 You know, they're going to throw me off the air if I don't do a PSA. You better so do it, though. So I better read some stuff here. Uh, apparently, certified trauma-sensitive yoga instructor Sarah Super will lead a free one-hour session for students from 445 to 545 on Thursday, October 11th in the Old Main 4th Floor Lounge. No registration or previous yoga experience is required. You're invited to simply show up and bring a bottle of water if you'd like. They won't let us have water here in the studio, but they'll let you bring it to a yoga class. So that's nice. Yeah. You can learn more at traumasensitiveyoga.com or by emailing laura at lllinders at mcallister.edu. This event is sponsored by the Office of Title IX and Equity, but no staff will be present. So we're going to kick things off. I'm just assuming you can't break a yoga instructor by pouring water on it, whereas you can destroy a soundboard. <laughs> that's pouring, Yeah, you know, so re it's, it's reasonable that they would not allow us yeah. to have drinks and so forth in here yeah. as well. FCC regulations limit your options for beverages anyway, which, you know, okay, well, tax dollars at work. <laughs> so uh, as we do every week on uh, Blast Beats and Bicycles, the Bicycle Hour, we talk a little bit about uh, velodrome stuff happening around the world. Um, Masters World Championships. So what's the news in the drome, Jay? The, the news in the drome is all in L.A. All right. Masters World Champions uh, Championships are starting today. Uh, so all the old people in the world of track cycling are all at the uh, Velo Sports Center uh, in L.A., including several people from the Twin Cities, Daniel Casper. Fantastic. Uh, who has multiple uh, world championships. He's going to be a guest on the show later on this fall to talk a little bit about uh, his experiences. He's got, like I said, multiple Masters World Championships and uh, Masters World Records wow. uh, to his credit. So he is a very fast uh, cyclist. He's yeah. also a Minneapolis firefighter. Uh, yeah. And went to one of those colleges in Northfield. Oh, yeah. So we'll, those. you know, we'll, well, there'll be some, yeah. some, 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 some MIAC indeed rivalry. Indeed. You know, he's, he's a perfectly nice person, despite the fact that he's not a McAllister grad. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you, you should make him power the show with, you know, a trainer <laughs> while you're here. Just we, generate yeah. the wattage necessary. We could to, power the station for about yeah. a month with yeah. his power. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Mark Lepke is also down there. Pat Whelan. Uh, and Lindsay, Lindsay Hamilton are all uh, participating uh, down there at Masters World Championships. So good luck to all of them. Um, you can actually follow their exploits online, uh, and there will be live streaming throughout the week. Uh, MastersWorldsLA.com uh, is the place to go uh, for that. And then in other velodrome news, the Minnesota Cycling Center, which is the group that's working to build uh, the next version of track cycling here in the Twin Cities, is having their big gala at Surly Fantastic. on November 26th. It's a Monday, the Monday after Thanksgiving. Excellent. Uh, so you'll be... When, when all of us will need to drink beer anyway. <laughs> That's exactly right. So after you've had all those awkward Thanksgiving yeah. conversations, come on and have a beer with... Uh, with Sleep the... off that L trip to Fancoma and get out and support track cycling. <laughs> That's in, exactly in right. Cities. Exactly. <clears throat> uh, it's sort of closer in the schedule, though. We've got, you've got a big event coming up. Uh, October 13th yeah. is the 11th or 12th? 11th. 11th this is the 11th. Crank. Yep. This one goes to 11. The 11th <laughs> Art Crank Show. Sorry, it's a metal show. I had to make that reference. <laughs> Please tell me that someone did an eleven with a big knob on the on the. You head. know, I think if, if we had done a, a show poster, that would be it. Um, 
you know, maybe maybe somebody will sneak one in, but uh, that one that, that that seems like something that should have been done. Yeah, well, it's not too late. No, it's no, not it's, too it's, late. it's only a week. We can pull right. something together. Absolutely. I'm sure. I mean, screen printing that doesn't take yeah. that long. No, does not it? at all. You just push a button. Right. It's all software. Practically right? prints itself. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You can download it off of Google. I'm sure yeah, somebody's yeah, already doing it. Maybe, yeah. If you're doing that right now, yeah. someone in the audience, yeah. send it over to Charles. <laughs> <laughs> so talk a little bit about this week's event. What's our, yeah. this weekend's event? Yeah. What's happening? Well, um, if you've never heard of Art Crank, it is a poster show about bicycles. Basically, our model is to get a group of local artists together to create handmade prints celebrating the cycling experience in all of its many forms and throw a pop-up art show. It's something that we started uh, back in 2007 with a show at one-on-one bikes down mm-hmm. in uh, downtown Minneapolis and a show which I expected maybe 50 people to show up at and then we got 500 and all of a sudden it was a thing it, yeah. um, so 11 years later we're uh, we're moving uh, moving on up into downtown Minneapolis we're uh, taking over uh, a space on the ground floor of the IDS building um, on, uh, on Nicolette and 8th in Minneapolis and doing a show with uh, 40, 40 or so local artists again doing bike inspired handmade prints all available for $45 each uh, in limited fantastic. editions so yeah it's been uh, it's been a pretty cool little adventure yeah I can believe it what was what what was it like to put the show together in uh, the IDS Center? I mean, obviously you haven't put it up yet, yeah. but what's uh, what kind of things do you have going into the plan for this year? Yeah, I mean, you know, basically what we do is just take whatever empty space we can find and turn it into uh, a short-term art gallery. Mm-hmm. So. Um, what we'll do is uh, go into the space next Friday and run some display lines that we use to hang posters. We kind of hang them with clips off of uh, picture wire, sort yep. of like a clothesline. Sure. Um, so we'll get those lines set up. We'll get our table set up for sales. And basically the idea is to leave the room as open as possible so we can get as many people in. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, we're working for the uh, fourth consecutive year with Fulton Beer. That's great. Um, they're going to be providing some of the adult refreshments there that evening. Excellent. And um, as we do every year, we've got a, uh, a non profit partner for the show that benefits from a portion of the beer sales. Yeah. This year, it's the Minnesota Cycling Federation. That's great. Uh, it's a way for us to uh, to give back to the cycling community, which mm-hmm. has been fantastically supportive of our efforts over the years. And yeah. nice to see the work that they're doing to get kids, um, especially from underprivileged communities, involved in cycling. Mm-hmm. And we're happy and proud to support that. That's great. Yeah. And so you've got uh, 40 some artists yep, yep. that are going to be a part of it. How many of them are returning from previous years? Um, we tend to do kind of a 50-50 split okay. with shows where we have half returning artists and half mm-hmm. new artists. Yep. Um, you know, we always want the experience to be a little bit different for people. If we put yeah. on the same show year after year, yep. that's not that interesting. So, you know, when we've got, you know, some some crowd favorites, guys like Adam Turman, who's sure. been making posters for us for a while, we like to bring them back. Yeah. But by the same token, it's exciting to get uh, new artists, people that we're not as familiar with or people who aren't as established in the community. Yeah. Uh, one of the great stories we have this year is an artist who uh, told me that she actually decided to become a graphic designer after going to one of our shows. Really? And now, you know, six years later, she's in the show. So that's great. That's about the best kind of story we can imagine Absolutely. having. And you know, just sort of encapsulates in one anecdote the whole reason that I started it. Yeah, that's really, really cool. How do those artists find you? I mean, how do the new mm-hmm. artists crop up for you? We do uh, an open call for entries uh, a few months in advance of, uh, of every event where we put the word out primarily mm-hmm. through social media, okay. but through, you know, some of our contacts in uh, the creative industry in Minneapolis, yep. just for, you know, people who are interested in participating, they submit samples of mm-hmm. previous work and we uh, narrow down the usually 100, 150 entries to uh, a final list of uh, 40 or so artists, That's um, great. which is the best and worst part of the job. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit like, uh, like breaking up with a bunch of people. Um, yeah. 
yeah. you know. Yep. Especially <laughs> with those good. people. I mean, it's a small yeah, yeah, community, yeah. right? And so it, it, sure. it feels like I say it's not you, it's me for, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but thankfully, it's also a very understanding community. And even yeah. people who've been on the show before understand that, yeah. you know, you got to make room for new artists and mm-hmm. not everybody gets to do it every yeah. year. So that's great. It's uh, it's super rewarding just to see people come together and support uh, local art. Yeah. So do you have people submit a proposed uh, poster that they want to they want to have in the show or do you look at a body of work overall? As you're we look at a body of work overall when we're choosing the roster. Um, we do ask people who were chosen for the show to kind of share their concepts mm-hmm. just because we've been doing this for seven for, for what, 11 years now. And yep. I should say that it's gone beyond Minneapolis for a lot of those years. This will be like our 75th show, I think. Wow. So we have more than 3,000 posters that have been created for Art Crank events. And in that time, as you can imagine, there are certain themes that sure. tend to be explored over yep. and over again. Yep. And we want to have new and original work. Yeah. So we want to just make sure that people are not inadvertently doing an idea that's already been done someplace right. else. Yep. Uh, and also just kind of, you know, give them a little creative direction that will hopefully make their experience a little bit more yeah. successful. That's amazing. And you really give them fairly few constraints, right? I mean, in terms of requirements for putting the poster in, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have sort of a standard size that we like to work with, which mm-hmm. from a fulfillment standpoint, you know, on the business end of things is helpful. Yeah. But we try to keep um, the subject matter as open as possible, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially with a show where so many things have been done. If we try to, you know, constrain people too much, we're not going to get very interesting work. Yeah. So, you know, when you pick people who are brilliant, creative talents, the best thing to do is just let them do what their talent points them to yeah. and uh, and find a way to make that work. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to see how the screen printing and the process of making those posters changes the way people are or influences, I should say, the, the works that people present. Oh, yeah. And, you know, for a lot of people, the show is their first experience with trying screen printing. Really? You know, it's something that used to be kind of a, a core part of a design school or art school sure. education. Yeah. Um, maybe not as much now as it used to be, right. but it's very different to have to create a poster image one color at a time by pulling ink yeah. across a screen. Yep. And, you know, people who are used to pushing Command P and mm-hmm. getting a finished product yep. uh, find that it's a very different process. Very and different. Yeah. Part of, part of what our job is on running the show is to encourage people to start early and start often yeah. because it's going to be more difficult than they think it is. Well, right. And it's going to take more time to create that poster. Yeah. I mean, you know. you've got to experiment to make sure that, you know, lines work out and colors blend together and all of that kind of stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and part of the, uh, the genius of screen printing as a technology is to use two colors to create three or four in different yeah. combinations by overlaying mm-hmm. them. And that is kind of a, a skill set unto itself that takes black a long time art. to, you know, develop. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or if you don't, it's yeah, yeah, black yeah, yeah, art, yeah, yeah. literally, right? Yeah. <laughs> or, or some less desirable color than black. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Milky, crappy brown. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And so you, you talked a lot about, you know, some of the different uh, places you've played or you've, you've had the poster show yeah. and some of the, you know, like crazy numbers of shows that you've had. Yeah. What are some of the most memorable places you've been? Um, I think for me, the the shows that stand out the most, uh, well, certainly every every show in Minneapolis is its own kind of special yeah, memory. It's one of those things where um, this is a, something that could have started anywhere but did start here. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we're doing it for our 11th year and people are still super pumped about it, yep. that's you know the biggest compliment I could get. Yep. Um, but the other shows that I think stand out most for me are probably the first show we did in London in mm-hmm. 2010. I mean, as a kid who grew up in the middle of the country here, um, London always seemed like the epicenter of all things cool sure. in terms of music right. and culture yeah. and art yep. and to be able to bring something that I created 
you know, from the U.S. to London yeah. and put on a successful event was uh, was pretty fantastic. And that's great. It was also one of my favorite experiences. Uh, when I do a show, I tend to be sort of very focused on what's going on in the moment. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. you know, uh, are the poster lines too long? Is the beer line too long? Do we have yep. enough change? Does right. the art look good? And I kind of get lost in that and don't really, you know, take in the experience. And at our first London show, my wife just kind of grabbed me by the arm and dragged me out of the venue pulled me across the street and kind of squared me up and just looking at this line of people waiting to get in and this packed room and just turned to me and said, I want you to take a minute and enjoy what you did. Look at what you built. And, um, it's like sometimes, sometimes, uh, life reminds you that you, uh, you married the right person. And, uh, that was, uh, that was one of those moments. That's an amazing feeling of accomplishment. I gotta believe. Yeah, Yeah. it really was. Um, so that's certainly one of the most memorable, uh, the show, the the first show that we did in Paris in Mm -hmm. 2013, um, you know, uh, staging a show at the Grand Palais, one of, you know, the most iconic venues in Europe, um, right off the Champs Elysees. Um, it's, it's like you pinch yourself. It's like this, this cannot be real. Yeah. I cannot possibly be, yeah. you know, standing here in this building mm-hmm. with this little bike art show that started in a bike shop in Minneapolis. Yeah, that's um, amazing. Or even just, you know, getting to ride, you know, right. this big clunky bike share bike down the Champs Elysees. <laughs> yeah. It's like I am never right. going to ride a tour, but I am going to. I'm going to do my lap yeah. on the Champs-Élysées. And, and, and you're in your head, you're totally yeah. crushing Mark Cavendish in the sprint, Oh, right? yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> you know, on, on a, you know, a three-speed, 40-pound right. bike, I'm not sure how it's working, but uh, as I suck down a lungful of uh, exhaust. Right, exhaust from, and smoke, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yep, cigarette smoke. Did you yeah. actually have to smoke a cigarette while you were on the bike? Well, it's kind it? of redundant when, you, when you're riding in Paris. Uh, you just, there's, there's enough of it there, you know, in various forms that you Osmosis, can just sort of get it yeah. secondhand. <laughs> actually smoking is just sort of like bringing sand to the beach. Beach, but, That's uh, awesome. Yeah, we uh, I, I remember that first show at one on one so vividly because there was a billion people in the in the room yeah. and it was a million degrees. Oh, but yeah. it was just like this great vibe. Everyone was so excited about this new cultural phenomenon here in yeah. town. And it was really a special moment. Yeah, there's a, I've got a few photos from that show. And my favorite one, um, I mean, you can sort of see this mass of humanity in here. And in the foreground, you can see my mom and dad. My my poor mom and dad, who have always been so supportive of everything I've done, yeah. and who bless them have the singular talent of being able to look like tourists everywhere they go, even in cities they live in. And it's just like these, these two people who are just trying to be excited yep. and positive and supportive, yep. but are kind of terrified. Fish out of water. You know, yeah, that's <laughs> so, great. So yeah, good for like, them for being good sports about yeah, it, though, because yeah. that was and, a. I mean, it was a very crowded night, and it oh, was yeah. hard to maneuver. And I mean. Huge success. Yeah, I mean, they, they live out in Portland now, so when we were doing shows out there, they'd Perfect. show up. And, that's great. Yeah, so nice. uh, supportive parents are a good yeah, thing. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You've obviously, you must have had several artists who have been in many of the shows over time. Has anybody ever been in all of them? You know, um, I think Adam's been in all of the Minneapolis shows. Okay. He's the only person who's ever done that. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, when we try to mix things up, inevitably yeah. it's it's hard to get people with like a contiguous record like mm-hmm. that. He's certainly been in the most. He's kind of like the Beatles of Art Crank. I think Kinda. he has sold yeah. more posters than anyone else. It's almost um, impossible to get a Termin poster because they're gone in yeah. seconds. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think you know he, you know, the poster that he did for our first show. That was one of like a handful of prints that made me realize what the potential of the idea mm-hmm. was. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I had no idea what people were going to do. Right. Um, you know, I'd never put on an art show before, but just to see that incredible range of mm-hmm. work and the different ways people interpreted cycling. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, okay, there's something here. I got to figure out what to do with this. Yeah. 
It's amazing. I uh, one of my favorite pieces of art in our house is a Terman yeah. uh, gig poster from the Iron Maiden show. Oh yeah, uh, last year at the at the X. So amazing when he posted yeah. it on social media, like instantly, I'm like, yep. okay, I I'm gonna have that. one. Hurry! Oh yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it's you know. I, I I know the idea behind your show is not necessarily to show how much worlds overlap, but you right. know Adam as a bike mm-hmm. guy, as a poster yep. guy. Yep. I mean, music is so instrumental. Pardon the expression in yeah. what he does. You right. know, his his he launched his career doing gig posters, right. and that's the way a lot of artists discover screen printing mm-hmm. is by creating gig prints. Yeah. So you know we have that culture to thank mm-hmm. for people who know how to make posters yeah. and what underpins our show. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of impossible to separate them. Yeah. Yeah, it's really fun. I, I sort of have a rotating space now in my in my office for all of the art crank posters that I've collected over the years. Yeah. Right now, my favorite one is I don't, I don't remember who the artist was, but it's a bunch of kids on BMX and, and Stingray yeah. bikes, yeah. and yeah. they were all dressed up in the uh, Minnesota yep. team yep. Yep. jerseys. Yep. Like there's oh, a Viking God. kid on a Stingray. There's a wild kid. There's a, a, a Timberwolves kid. And yeah, yeah. this is really a fun. Well, one of the posters from this year's show. Um, the uh, the artist actually created stylized versions of the mascots for all of those teams. No kidding. And did them like stacked on this sort of tall bike thing. It's, <laughs> That's uh, great. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm talking about art on radio. This always works so well. <laughs> well, you um, see your hand yeah, gestures. Yeah, so precisely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but where's Facebook Live when you need it? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, again, we're pr- not primarily a visual experience here in the studio, right, but exactly. uh, yeah. So you know, I think you'll uh, you'll dig that. Fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to to see all the stuff. I was, assume you see the final the final. Uh, yeah. Yeah, before they today is actually the uh, the deadline for artists to turn in uh, the prints. So okay. that's all happening over in Minneapolis right now. That's I managed great. to shirk that responsibility to <laughs> come over here and talk rock and bikes on the radio. <laughs> But um, yeah, things I should I should mention about the show as well. Uh, admission is free. Uh, we've always wanted to make art as accessible as bikes are. Yeah. So it's great. been you know something that we didn't want to have an admission price on. If people are going to come to the show and spend money, we'd rather have them buy posters and beer. Yeah. Um, you know, support the creative community, support the cycling mm-hmm. community. Yeah. So um, next Saturday, October thirteenth, IDS uh, yeah. from four to ten p.m. Starts at four. Uh, you should, uh, yep. 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 You should, uh, you should come down and check it out. That's great. So what space in the Idea Center is it going to be in? There's a, a retail space on the corner of uh, Marquette and 8th that's kind oh, of been sure. occupied for a while. It's right yep. across from uh, the FedEx mm-hmm. uh, station there. Yep. Um, and like they did some Super Bowl events in there, mm-hmm. but, uh, it's, you know, it's an unfinished space. It's that very perfect. <laughs> stripped down. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's been strange working with them because I think they're used to working with people who have like very specific demands about mm-hmm. what they want for lighting. Yeah. And we're coming from the DIY kind of standpoint right. where it's like, you have lights that work. <laughs> Good. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, <in. laughs> that's, that's, that's a step ahead. Cool. <laughs> and, you know, so it's been, you know, it's been kind of cool yeah. to, uh, to, to, to not have to worry about some of the things that, you know, can be a real challenge logistically. Yeah. When you, you know, I, you know, I got to believe, you know, every year you try and do a different, you've had a number of venues that have, that have, you know, sort of, been a part of it in the past. Um, But as you go to, as you've been to some of these other communities, how do you find those kinds of venues? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is just kind of the, uh, the network of the creative community. It's the same way that we find artists, you know, we try to figure out who the leaders in the creative community are. And we ask them, Hey, if you, if you were throwing a show, where would you want Mm -hmm. to throw it? Yeah. Um, What are the, what are the top venues? Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's a more formal gallery. Sometimes it's a bike shop. Sometimes it's a tap room, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's literally a warehouse. Yeah, I mean, we've we've thrown shows in some very very humble locations. That's great. Um, 
And, you know, the whole idea was to do something that we could fit in a suitcase mm-hmm. and put on a show uh, and take it down in one day. Yeah. So we've uh, we've learned to run to run light and run lean. I can only imagine some of the things you've learned over over yeah. the course of the run. Yeah. Well, what I've learned, I think, most of all, is that there is no more senseless or arcane series of legal requirements than the ones in various American locations for serving alcohol. Yeah. If you ever want to drive yourself completely insane, <laughs> try to get a try beer to, license. Tr- yeah. Try to try to try to <laughs> obtain a permit for serving uh, for serving yeah. beer mm-hmm. in uh, any municipality in the United States of America. Yeah. But uh, yeah, other than that, you know, I've certainly learned a lot more about insurance and taxes than I ever <laughs> thought I wanted to. I've learned a lot more about what you can and can't pack in a suitcase yeah, when right. you travel by air than I wanted to. <laughs> uh, I've gotten to uh, experience some very interesting moments in, uh, in public transportation in various cities around the world. I believe um, it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been that's, all good. That's great. And you, you've recently added a digital component, right? So you now have uh, prints available online. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the model for businesses now is that you start with an online store and you build out to brick and mortar. Right. And we kind of decided we were going to do the opposite. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if that's what they're teaching in business schools these <laughs> days. But, you know, for a long time, our focus was really on putting on uh, short term live pop up events. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really have the time or the resources to put together an online store. But, you know, like in 2013, I think we did 15 shows in three countries, wow. which sounds like a lot of fun and was a lot of fun, but was also super expensive and super yeah, tiring. I believe it. And at that point, it's like, yeah, we can't keep doing this forever. Right. So we started to kind of make some inroads to finally put up uh, a new website where we could mm-hmm. sell posters online. That's because great. I think that was another one of the challenges where people would see these prints that we'd post on our social accounts. It's like, oh, where can I get a copy of that? Mm-hmm. Well, sorry, we're yep. not coming to, you know, right. your city or, you know, we don't sell stuff online. So right. Now at least we have the option, uh, both through our shows and through mm-hmm. artists that just create stuff for our online shop uh, at artcrank.com um, to share their work. That's so great. That's been um, really, really a great change and a great yeah, evolution. Yeah, I can imagine. And it's, you know, it sort of sells for you while you're not yeah. able to sell or yeah. you're doing other stuff. Yeah, you, you, it may, be, may come as a surprise that um, selling uh, prints about bikes is not really a get-rich-quick scheme. Um <laughs> Shocking. But uh, yeah, I was going to say, it's all the things you could do to uh, make a fortune. I'm not sure it cracks yeah, the top exactly. 10. Maybe but, the secondary market. Yeah, know? yeah. No, it, and, and it, but I mean, it's it's something that, you know, feeds a certain part of my my soul and my desire mm-hmm. to do creative work and interact with the cycling community. So uh, it's always been a worthwhile venture from that standpoint. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's so many of those passion projects, they never, you know, reach their full, you know, sort of like, this is going to be a millionaire making opportunity. Yeah. But, you know, it does do a different you know, it gives you a different, you know, sort of pleasure and feeling of success, right? No, no, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you obviously don't do this as your full-time gig, um, but you do have a bunch of people who work with you, right? So talk a little bit about what the organization yeah, looks yeah. like. Yeah, I mean, um, on a regular basis, Art Crank is uh, primarily me and my wife, Nikki, mm-hmm. um, who you know, we sort of head up, headed up the show for yep. almost as long as it's been going. It's mm-hmm. been me, and then she got dragged into things at about... <laughs> 2010 or 2011, which she may or may not regret. But, um, you know, we usually have five or six people who work on contract with us around mm-hmm. specific events to help us wrangle volunteers mm-hmm. and set up and mm-hmm. just kind of do all the things that you need to do to throw a fun, safe event yeah. uh, in various places. And, you know, people actually, you know, one of our interns uh, was a kid named Patrick Murphy who mm-hmm. went to McAllister. No uh, 
exciting. Um, and, you know, connected with him through uh, various alumni channels. And That's he worked great. with us for a few years, and he's now a freelance copywriter. So no kidding. I feel like I've You've <laughs> mentored managed, him? I've, I've managed to ruin yet another <laughs> life with... Fly, little bird. Yeah, fly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. But um, yeah, so, you know, and, and and that's been a fun experience. I you bet. know, a lot of, you know, the good friends and contacts I've had are people that I've met through the show yeah. um, on the creative side and just on the logistical side of putting on an event. Yeah, so that's fantastic. And you've obviously had a, a number of good partners. You talked about Fulton, yeah. uh, who's been a partner of the, the event for a number of years. How, yeah, What's that process been like for you, finding those partners, keeping them maintaining those relationships. Yeah. And I think it's different now. Um, it was a different challenge when we were trying to find national partners, mm -hmm. like when we were doing those tours where we had, you know, 10 or so shows in various places in the U S yep. where we would need to find like a beer brand that had, you know, that had, that had, you know, distribution in all these different cities right. and people on the ground who could help us out or, mm -hmm. you know, brands like Cliff Bar or yep. Shinola yep. that had a national presence who could benefit from being in mm -hmm. multiple events. Yeah. Uh, and it's actually simpler when you break it down to just sort of Minneapolis because we can work more with local brands, which sure. is something that we feel very strongly about. Yeah. Fulton, you know, beyond what they do for us, is certainly a huge supporter of the cycling community. Mm -hmm. They Absolutely. have their own race tre teams. Yep. They yep. put on some great race events. Yep. Sponsored a number of the events um, that I've been a part of or yeah. worked, worked on. Yeah. So it's really been just kind of a matter of, you know, finding brands that we share some interest and an audience with yeah. and saying, hey, what can we do together? Yeah, makes that conversation easy when you share kind of a mutual goal. Yeah. You know, it makes it easy to have that have that conversation and promote them. No, uh, absolutely. Them. Yeah, that's awesome. So what uh, what are some of your biggest and, and most memorable, I mean, other than uh, you talked about <laughs> yeah. kind of that legendary yeah. London moment, yeah. what, are some of the, what are some of the craziest things that have happened? Um, well, I think uh, we did our first show in San Francisco in 2009. Uh, Gary Fisher showed up to that. Wow. Um, and oh. uh, yeah, Gary, Gary Fisher, one of the godfathers of mountain biking. Yes. Um, who, uh, who, who who tends to make uh, make an appearance when he shows up. He is a, <laughs> he is a dapper dresser. Yeah, um, I was just going to ask what he was wearing. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't recall the outfit in detail, only that it was singularly amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah there was a fedora involved. Nice. Uh, he had a mustache that would have pushed, put Picasso to shame. <laughs> uh, it's like, I you can only be one person. It's, yeah. like, it's like it's one of those little things. It's like, I think we must be doing something right here because we're getting, wow. you know, some legends to come out and support us. That's great. Um, so, yeah, that was that was fantastic. Very cool. Um, on the flip side of the occasion, I think when you did our first show in Chicago, we were getting set up and like there was a SWAT team raiding a house across Yikes. the street from the gallery. It's like, well, this will be this will be an interesting experience. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, wow. you know. You know, these, Did the these cops are, come over to the show afterwards? Uh, no, no. They, um, yeah, we, we just sort of shut the doors and pretended we didn't know what was going yeah, on. And, yeah, yeah. Kind of like, yeah. uh, you know, the strip and go naked parties. Yeah, precisely. House, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't talk about. <laughs> right. Yeah. Turn off the Ixnay on the octay. <laughs> yep. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, and I think, you know, all the shows that we've had an opportunity to do are just, you know, you go into a community and you learn so much about, you know, not just the artists, but the cycling community and mm -hmm. what that's like. And you get to meet people that, you know, you probably never would have run into if you'd just gone through as somebody who was seeing the sites. Right. So it feels like you really get to be part of it for mm -hmm. a brief period of time. And yeah. I think a big part of what we enjoyed most about traveling was developing those friendships with people in different say, parts yeah. of the country and, you know, not just seeing them at the event, but getting together afterwards sure. for a drink or whatever, and just kind of hearing about what was going on in their lives. Yeah. And, you know, seeing a lot of them go on to establish 
establish themselves as successful independent artists yeah. and people who are doing work at a national and international level. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's gotta be some of the best memories oh, yeah. is creating those friendships and, you know, having them last beyond those, you know, five, 10, 20 days or whatever it is no. to get to connect with them directly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. For those of you who are just joining us, you're listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at uh, WMCN, McAllister College Radio, 91.7 FM in St. Paul, Minnesota. We're here with Charles Ewell, the founder of Art Crank, the upcoming bicycle art poster show. Uh, that's going to be taking place on October 13th from 4 to 10 p.m. at the IDS Center in downtown uh, Minneapolis. Uh, one of the yes, iconic. adjacent to the Mary Tyler Moore sculpture. That's right. Yeah, That's just right. across the street. Selfie opportunities abound. Absolutely, in that part absolutely. Of town. Yeah, and that it's going to be a really exciting uh, show. I'm really looking forward to seeing some of the new stuff. It's always fun, uh, you know, to see who's out there doing things and what kind of vibes are. Are yeah. showing up in the work. Yeah, and I should say that uh, we've been posting uh, poster previews uh, on our social accounts. It's just at Art Crank uh, on Instagram, on Twitter, Excellent. and uh, on Facebook as well for anybody who's still using that platform. <laughs> um, you guys don't but, have a MySpace uh, page, do you? Uh, probably somewhere. <laughs> we try to be Excellent. everywhere the people are, Jason. <laughs> we try to we try to bring it to the people. Yeah, it, you must have gotten a McAllister marketing degree. Yeah, a, a, a non-existent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So. Uh, I understand that you're still looking for some some help too to put on yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, we uh, we do look for volunteers. Um, if you want to send us a note at info at artcrank.com, we can set you up with um, a volunteer shift. We've got two shifts basically on Saturday: one from about three forty-five to seven, and one from six forty-five to ten. Uh, we just need a little help uh, getting people in and out the door, doing mm -hmm. poster sales and the various things you need to uh, to do for an event. There's a free Art Crank t-shirt uh, in it for you. If you are of legal age, there's also a uh, complimentary adult beverage and uh, a nice little Art Crank pint glass. Nice. So, uh, yeah, again, info at artcrank.com. Just send us a note and we'll uh, we'll get you on the list. That's great. And you've, you've, you you mentioned earlier that you've had a charitable co component to the event yeah. every year. Talk a little bit about what you do uh, for the charities that you work with. Yeah. I mean, the idea behind having the cost partner program has always been to find organizations in a community who are supporting cycling or creativity mm -hmm. at some level. So sometimes that's been a larger organization um, like World Bicycle Relief, mm -hmm. um, but a lot of times it's a local organization. Uh, we've worked um, for a couple of years with a partnership between uh, the Minneapolis Institute of Art and Boys and Girls Clubs to support art education for kids in grade school. Um, you know, something that was instrumental in my life and I know mm -hmm. shaped a lot of people's uh, outlook towards art and creativity. Yeah. Um, we've worked with smaller local organizations, a bike shop in Minneapolis called Full Cycle Bikes, mm -hmm. which uh, works with homeless youth to yeah. uh, give them not just um, transportation by being able to earn their own bicycles, but also retail experience working in a bike shop yeah. and basic employment and life skills. So, you know, again, just trying to find different organizations that are using cycling in different ways mm -hmm. or creativity in different ways to make people's lives better. That's um, great. And it's just been, it's been a, a good way for us to give back a little bit. Yeah. Was there back when you kind of conceived the idea of the show, was there like an aha moment for you or how did it evolve in your mind 
to go and I like bike art and hey, let's put on this crazy event. Yeah. I, th- I think the genesis of it was really at the time I was working as copywriter and creative director for an advertising agency mm-hmm. and working with a lot of just incredibly talented visual creatives, graphic mm-hmm. designers, illustrators, art mm-hmm. directors. And we were all working on projects for things that weren't necessarily personally relevant to us. Right. And it's a great work environment. But, you know, a lot of people that I worked with, you know, we just found ourselves talking about bikes as something mm-hmm. we had in common. Yeah. And, you know, I had you know, just this desire to do a project outside of the context of work that combined, you know, the two things that I was really passionate about, mm-hmm. creativity and cycling. Uh, and the idea of doing a poster show about bikes just sort of came together, um, you know, after seeing a couple other local art events um, that sort of, you know, nibbled around the margins mm-hmm. of similar things on different topics. It felt like something that could really take off for cycling. And at that time, I was working with uh, Gene at One on One, he and his wife, Jen, and opened the shop a couple of years earlier. I'd worked with them uh, and another designer to create their logo. Nice. So we had kind of a business relationship with That's them. That's great. And uh, they had always wanted their space to be sort of part bike shop, part yeah. cafe, part art gallery. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of seemed like a natural location yeah. for it. He was, as soon as he heard the idea, he was ready to go. That's great. So it was just kind of making it up as I went. I'd never really done an art show before. Wow. So it's like, well, I know I want to have more than one artist. I want to have, yeah. you know, a big group and a kind of a representation of different views mm-hmm. of cycling. Um, but yeah, I figured it was something that I would do once. Yeah. And, um, you know, it would be a fun party maybe. And yeah. then I'd have to find another way to keep myself occupied. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to get back to the idea of the aha moment, I think where that happened to me was at that first show, seeing all, you know, just sidebar, cycling can be kind of a clicky community yep, where much so. everybody has their own little subcultures that yep. they run with. And yep. there's the fixie kids and the BMXers racing kids and, and the BMXers. Bikers and, and yeah, totally. Um, so there's not always a lot of overlap between those communities. They're right. sort of off doing their own thing. And what I saw at our show was all of these different segments of cycling culture, all these people from different walks of life Mm -hmm. and then throwing in the creative community who would otherwise never have a reason to be in the same place at the same time, finding something that they had in common. And that was kind of the light bulb. It's like, okay, there's something to this. And I feel like this is a model that can work not just here, but in other cities. And we've gone on to prove it's true. Yep. I remember that very vividly from that first show going, wow, there's every conceivable kind of cyclist. The messenger crowd was there, you know, the track crowd was there and that was before they really overlapped that much. Yeah. And, you know, then you saw a lot of the mountain bike people. I mean, it really was amazing how they all sort of blended together and, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd love to say that I was smart or insightful enough to know that that was going <laughs> to happen, but it was uh, a very, uh, a very happy discovery. Yeah. Yep. And it was really at that early stage of, bicycle quote unquote culture being yeah. a thing you know it really hadn't evolved into you know this sort of lifestyle yeah. that bicycling has become yeah i mean there there were a few ways that i think we caught lightning in a bottle timing wise and yeah. one of them was that you know we got in at a moment when bike culture was ascendant mm-hmm. um and people were beginning to think of bicycles not just as a thing that you do for exercise but as a form of everyday transportation yep. there was a lot of conversation in minneapolis and in other cities around the country about creating safer more accessible right. bike routes to encourage welcoming. people to yep. cycle as a means of getting around town and yeah. you know not just going out and riding fast and tight fitting clothing right so 
you know, from that standpoint, certainly people were changing the way they thought about bikes. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who hadn't ridden bikes since they were kids were getting on them again. Yeah. You know, the industry was starting to understand that there was a, uh, a wider appetite for its products than perhaps it had uh, thought of for a while. Yeah. And, you know, certainly for better or for worse, having an American dominating an international cycling race for years at a time yep. got a lot of people into bikes. I right. I mean, you know, say, yep. say what you want about Mr. Armstrong, and it's all been said multiple times, <laughs> but a lot of people are riding bikes to today because yep. he won the he tour. He raised the awareness. Yep. Yep. He yep. absolutely did. There's no no arguing with that for yeah. sure. Well, and of course, we have to give credit where credit is due to Greg LeMond, yep. you know, a Minnesota guy. Absolutely. Uh, the only American who's ever won the, Yeah, yeah, the yeah the who's, ever, who's, yep. who's ever won. Yep. Um, you know, and certainly for me growing up, he was one of the, the cycling heroes that I looked to. You know, yeah. again, the first American to win a tour, the only American to win a yeah. tour at this time. So, yeah. yeah and, 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 you know, honestly, having him show up to our events has been you know, That's kind a of a, a big, big feather uh, in your cap too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What uh, what did bikes mean to you? I mean, how did you get started uh, riding, and how did that evolve over the course of your life? Yeah, I think um, I was one of those kids who like the day after he learned how to keep a bike upright was building <laughs> jumps in the front yard and yep. trying to find ways to yep. actually fly. Yep. Um, and you know, for most of my life, certainly up until you know, you know, around you know, age 10 or so when BMX started to be, I think bikes were just a way to get around. It yeah. was how you hung out with your friends. Yep. It was how you saw the city. Yeah. Um, you know, I, and I've kind of realized, you know, going back to St. Louis now, I don't live there anymore, but I realized my entire knowledge of certain parts of the city is all based on where I went no on kidding. my bicycle and how I got there. That's awesome. Because, um, you know, that was that was what opened up the world. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, in the late 70s and early 80s, when BMX started to become a thing, yeah. all of a sudden these kids were showing up on bikes with mag wheels that looked like little motorcycles and yep. little dirt jumps. And yeah. it's like, man, I got to get in on this. Yeah. Um, yep. So it's always been, you know, something that has, you know, just sort of inspired me yeah. and the thing that I like to do most. It's, That's great. You know, even now as uh, as an adult, it's one of the few things that makes my head quiet. Yeah. Um, just being on a bike. Really? So just that experience of, you know, even if I'm riding through the middle of downtown in mm-hmm. rush hour, um, it's very focused and very yeah. peaceful and absolutely. just kind of, uh, you know, You're sometimes the, the best part of the day. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Do you remember your first bike? Yeah, I don't remember. I think it was a Murray. It was a steel bike with solid rubber tires. Wow. Um, where you felt oh, literally oh, every man. pebble on the road. Boy, Bone Shaker uh, 2.0. Yeah, yeah. Holy it cow. had this um, silver flake, sparkly banana oh, seat. And yes. Yeah, it was, it was red, silver, and blue. And oh, it was nice. a beast. Absolutely <laughs> indestructible. I think we inherited it from... One of uh, our cross-the-street neighbors whose kids had all learned to ride yep. on it. Um, but then we moved to a, a different neighborhood, and there were a lot more kids who were, I think, around my age or a little yeah. older. Um, and, you know, all of them were kind of like into bikes at some yeah. level. So I started kind of learning how to wrench on bikes because no I was trying to convert like a banana seat bike into yep. a BMX bike oh, and put yeah, different parts sure. on it. Yep. And, you know, my dad's a mechanical engineer and he saw me doing that stuff. It's like, well, okay, yeah. you know, if you're interested in this, this. let's, yeah. let's, let's learn how bikes work. Let's take them apart. I mean, give my dad an excuse to take something apart and learn how it works. And, you know, it's, yeah, awesome. yeah, it's, um, you know, he was, uh, he was very tolerant about me using and destroying half of his tools as I <laughs> learned how to do basic bike mechanics. That's but awesome. just that experience um, kind of gave me a different view of it and appreciation for yeah. this simple, beautiful machine that does all this amazing stuff. Yep. Yeah, that was uh, my first bike was kind of a custom project with my dad, too. You know, we had the starter bike and it, had, of course, had the training wheels on it. It was purple. 
and I was a huge Vikings fan, so that was a that was a oh, win. Oh yeah. And but it didn't have the full on Stingray experience, and so oh, my yeah. dad helped me put the the gold and white flecked banana seed on it, and the you know the big tall ape hanger bars and nice oh, it was so awesome man you Loved were the king that. of the hood i was even though i didn't have the full-on official stingray it still oh, was yeah. it was my favorite yeah i will yeah. say that's it's one of the benefits uh of uh being an adult is that i can now go out and just sort of buy the bikes that i want <laughs> and i think you know there was a day when i was riding down on the river bottoms where we ran into um you know, a bunch of young kids who were out there riding. It's yeah. like, oh man, that's such a cool bike. It's like, yes, <laughs> finally. <laughs> Decades after it means anything, kids think kids my, bike, think is my cool. bike is cool. <laughs> yes. I'm going to enjoy this more than I should. Yeah. I uh, I caused my parents no end of consternation because their their playing cards went missing oh, yeah. almost perpetually. They're like, where are all our cards? They finally started just buying me decks of cards so that they I could yeah. close bin them in. Yeah, I, I shudder to think how many thousands of dollars in baseball cards I ruined by <laughs> sticking them in the spokes of bicycles, yeah. chalked yeah. up into things that seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> exactly. But you know, those baseball cards worked really well because they were thicker cardboard yep. and they were like wax coated. Yep. So they slid better across the spokes and didn't wear out as fast. Yeah, made a cooler sound than the playing guards. They did. You're 100% right. Yeah. That's awesome. Speaking of cool bikes, uh, I was up in your office uh, the other day meeting yeah. with one of your uh, suite mates. Okay. And uh, I saw your sweet twin six TI 29er up there. Oh, yeah. 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 That's a pretty machine. It, uh, yeah, that's that, that's one of my favorites. Um, mountain biking for me was something that I was into for a lot of years and then kind of got away from about the time, actually, that I started doing the show. Yeah. Um, in part because of just the time, time. commitments. Yeah. But uh, I got away from it for about 10 years and then kind of getting back into it now. And nice. It's uh, yeah the uh, the folks at Twin Six build uh, build a nice bike. That's great. Um, I have their uh, Rando, the steel nice. version. Fantastic. Yeah, a little bit sore at them because like three months after I bought that, they came out with a titanium version. Oh. Like you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> You could have told me. Right. Do you guys have a trade-in program? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I absolutely love my my oh, Rando. Yeah. It's yeah. it's one of my favorite bikes. I just absolutely love the ride. Um, but I kind of am, as I think about, you know, what's my forever bike gonna be? Yeah. I sort of Wait, want, why are you saying that in the singular? <laughs> okay, that's a fair that's a fair point. That's a fair point. You do have to have the right tool for the job. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, N plus one, man. Come on. Right, exactly. Or S minus one. Yeah. You've heard that one, <laughs> yes, right? yes, yeah, okay. yes. A little insular conversation yeah, we won't but, go into that anymore. um the uh but yeah so i really i've really been looking at their their uh, titanium road bike yeah uh, i think that would be a really beautiful bike especially now that they've made it a little bit more all road yeah get some wider tires in there and yeah. yeah well you know not to turn this into a commercial for twin six but the nice thing about what their stuff is that you know the guys who are making it yeah. um are people who actually do the rides yeah. and they eat their under, own dog food. yeah yeah and understand exactly what it takes to you know spend some long days on a bike yeah. and yep. you know you know, between Ryan and Brent and Jesse, uh, these are, you know, people who have shaped a lot of yeah. you know, what cycling looks like from yep. both the apparel side and the equipment side. Yeah. So that's uh, a lot of uh, a lot of knowledge and experience yeah. that, uh, that goes into that stuff. The one thing they, they could uh, add to their collection of apparel, though, is a Clydesdale category of clothing. Yeah. For guys yeah. like me. Oh, yeah. Tell, <laughs> tell me about it. It's like I think I'm maxing out on the XL stuff. <laughs> right. You can't put more X's. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, and, and, and to be fair, their stuff is you know a little bit more permissive than it 
is. some other brands. And, but, and that's why yeah. I wear a lot of their stuff, actually, because yeah. it is a little bit more it forgiving. Doesn't, it's, <laughs> the, the sausage casing effect is slightly reduced. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You do a lot of gravel riding, don't you? Yeah. 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 Actually, the, the, there's a gravel ride called the Filthy 50, which is the day after Art Crank, which yeah. uh, I am, as of right now, planning to ride. Seriously? So that'll wow. be interesting. That's ambitious. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see how ambitious I'm feeling at, like... 10.05 on Saturday night <laughs> yeah. about riding 50 miles on gravel. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, there's so many great events uh, in Minnesota and just around the region for yeah. riding on gravel. It's amazing. Such cool places to ride. Yeah. I uh, I have kind of a, a curiosity about gravel, but, you know, my formative years riding bikes, yeah. it was about two feet from my house, and I would be on gravel. Yeah. And it was just because I lived in a really, you know, somewhat small town. And that was what you had to ride on. Yeah. So to me, gravel doesn't have that sort of epic appeal of being Well, it's not a novelty. It's not. Because we bounced all over that crap all the time when we were kids. Yeah, like, it's like my tailbone is still sore from that stuff. Why do you <laughs> exactly. Want me to like go exactly. ride it again? <laughs> no. What's that? Yeah. I, you yeah. know, I, I think, you know, what I appreciate about the gravel events um, is the fact that you're able to see... You just, you know, enjoy the ride in a way that's yeah. a little bit more challenging to do when you're in an urban environment. Yep. Um, and frankly, just again, kind of the DIY nature of it mm-hmm. where it's all self-supported. Yeah. Um, you know, there are sponsors along the way that make things possible mm-hmm. and some fantastic race organizers. But when you're out there, you're kind of on your own. Yeah. And there's something, you know, exciting about that. And it enjoyable is. Yeah. About it. It's very much an adventure. Yeah. I mean, and you never really know what kind of conditions you're going to get until the morning of the ride, really. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it could be a... a deluge the night before that turns it into a soupy peanut buttery mess yeah or it could be you know pristine and packed and beautiful yeah, and, and you somehow managed to have a tailwind the whole way <laughs> yeah <laughs> that once in a lifetime yeah which has yet to happen day. to me i keep hoping that it will <laughs> mostly yeah. i feel like i'm riding with a hand in my face all the time but that may be self-inflicted yeah. are my brakes rubbing <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's always the equipment never the operator that's exactly right yeah so what uh what kind of things i mean you talked about the uh, filthy 50 what other kinds of rides are you do you have coming up anything fun? Um, I mean, you know, I'm not really into the racing scene as much. Yeah. It's not a competitive thing. You know, I've got uh, a couple of good friends that I ride with about once a week. Actually, Adam Terman, yeah. one of the artists we talked about is one of them. Yeah. A guy named uh, Ben McCoy, mm-hmm. who I also know through the design scene. And yeah. that's, you know, that's kind of my uh, my bike thing for right nice. now. And sometimes that's through an event like a gravel race. But mostly it's just going out and doing 50 or 75 miles, miles worth of riding yeah. on the weekend. And nice. just, you know. Hanging out with your friends on bikes. Yeah. And that's kind of what the scene is for me right now. Do you guys have some regular routes that you do, or do you try and mix it up a lot? We try to do something different every week. I mean, nice. there's some standard sort of connector trails sure. and routes, you know, trying to use, you know, the system that we've got here with, yeah. you know, like the Southwest LRT or mm-hmm. the Minnetonka Rail Trail or, mm-hmm. you know, the Loose Line, things like that. Yep. But, you know, especially going up north and west, you can get into some, you know, gravel roads not too far outside the metro area. It's amazing. Put together some pretty cool rides. Yeah. So, yep. you know, just try to mix it up and keep it interesting. That's really cool. Cool. Do you have some destinations that you've wanted to try but you haven't yet? You know, um, I've gotten to do a couple of those uh, just this last uh, this last year. I did hit the the Matahe Trail for a day. I, I was going to ask in, you about uh, Medora, that. Yeah. North Dakota, yeah. which which made me kind of think that I need to plan like another week or so around this. Um, if you like single track adventure riding at all, this is a trail that you absolutely yeah. have to ride. I'm, I'm almost going to lose my North Dakota citizenship because I haven't ridden it yet. And that's 30 miles. Medora is 30 miles from where I grew up in Dickinson. Oh boy. And, yeah. You uh, need to. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's an obligation that I required to, to fulfill at some point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've heard amazing things about the trail and they do such hard work 
to keep that trail viable and to keep it operating. And it's amazing the amount of work they do on that. Yeah, I think, you know, um, as part of the trip, I had hoped to do some uh, some off-road riding in Spearfish, South mm-hmm. Dakota, and around Billings. Unfortunately, I sprained my arm in a couple of places oh. about a week before I left for the trip. So Dang. that kind of limited some of the riding wow. I could do. But uh, I think, you know, you talk about destinations, those are places I want to ride. I'd yeah. like to, you know, get out to, to Colorado mm-hmm. and see some of the, uh, the slick rock riding out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I guess it's less about destinations, but just about having that time on the bike. Yeah. I think... You know, bike rides are always, um, in a way, kind of an act of creative expression Mm -hmm. where even if you take the same route every day, you're going to see different things and experience different things. And, you know, as much as it is about, oh, I rode this epic trail, it's just kind of about having that time and, you know, just appreciating what's around you. Yeah. So have you have you done one of those artistic maps on Strava yet? Um, no, that's, that, that's like more thought than I want to put into something. It's, it's, I think, you know, I, I think maybe it's just like you, you need an engineering mindset to want to do stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, it's like, well, that's a lot of work for, okay. Yeah. So there are, there are lines where art and bikes don't cross for you. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's like, and again, to each their own. And if right. that is fulfilling and satisfying to someone, far be it from me to criticize their chosen form right. of self-expression. Art has no boundaries, it's, right? You know, it's just not my cup of tea. <laughs> uh, have you done any bike specific travel any place? Um, not, you know, not, not in terms of like destination travel. I think most yeah. it's been more a matter of taking a bike along with me sure. and just kind of doing the riding where yeah. I can. Yep. Uh, and in some ways that's, it's almost more fun because everything is sort of an unexpected gem. Yeah. And, yep. you know, like, you know, in Montana, when I was staying overnight in, uh, in Billings, I uh, did a ride in the morning uh, after I got there up through a trail that sort of just climbed up on the cliffs and overlooked the city. Mm, it's beautiful. like you do that first thing in the morning. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's like, yeah, I never would have thought of this. I never would have seen this. I never no. would have had this if I hadn't had this bike with me. Yeah. So it's just things like that. That's fantastic. Yeah, I've got some some dreams. At some point, I'd like to go over and ride one of the classics uh, routes, you know, the Tour of Flanders or yep. Paris-Roubaix or something like that, just yep. to experience that. Get your, get your cobble cred in. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. that would just be an amazing experience. But I've, we've talked to a number of people who've done, like, these barge trips yeah. in Belgium and Holland as well, you know, where yeah. you, you sleep on a barge and yeah. the barge flows down the river while you're riding. Yeah, a ver- a very nicely appointed barge, yes. we should say. It's not like you're, no, you're hoboing it on a coal, coal barge. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but I think that would be a really fun uh, experience. And so we've talked with some friends about uh, putting their, a trip together like that yeah. someday. Yeah, and again, I think you you know you travel very differently when you're traveling by bike or yeah. with people on bikes, and you interact with the physical geography and the people yep. you meet in a different way. Yeah. So especially in you know outside of the U.S., that would be a pretty cool experience. Yeah. We were in uh, Thailand a few years ago, and there were a number of people that we ran into who were biking across Thailand in various. And, you know, distances, directions, whatever. And like, wow, you know, talk about underdeveloped road infrastructure next to no place to get your bike mm-hmm. fixed. I mean, that's the kind of serious adventure cycling. It's like you are yeah. totally self-sufficient at that point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and again, you know, that's that sort of self, you know, self-sustaining thing. And yeah. DIY, it's like you're out there on your own. Right. And, you know, you have to prepare for it and you have to be ready to kind of deal with whatever life in the road throws at you. So, yeah, you break a spoke and how are you going to solve that problem? Yep, there's there's not a bike shop just down the block. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, there's, yeah. you know, the guy with a welding torch in a shed who yep. may or may not be able to help you. Yeah. I mean, I know a couple of people even this year who have done the Mississippi River. So they've started yeah. here and gone all the way down to New Orleans. 
And uh, it seems like that would be a pretty interesting trip to take at some point. Too. Yeah. And, and now that you mention it, that's something that I think is kind of fascinating for me, given that my whole life has been lived on various points in the Mississippi right. between St. Louis and yeah. here. Um, just kind of taking that trip. And of course, yeah. New Orleans is a great town. You don't it is have to, a great town. You know, twist my arm too hard to get me to go down there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, seeing that exactly. by bike would be uh, would be something else. Yeah. Yep. So what uh, what else do you have in the stable? We talked about your twenty nine or what other things do you have? Well, in your let's bike see. Stable? I've got um, my uh, my my everyday commuter bike is a uh, specialized Crux uh, cross bike that I nice. kind of threw flat bars on and just set up as a one by ten. Yep. Yep. It's a little nicer than strictly speaking it needs to be, but you know <laughs> it's the one I spend the most time on. Yeah. Uh, my road gravel bike is a Foundry Auger. Other cycle cross bike, yeah, uh, carbon platform. Nice. Um, been riding that for a number of years now. Uh, Head wheels, another great Minnesota company yeah. on that one. Um, we talked about the Tide 29er on mm-hmm. the mountain bike side, and I do also have uh, an Atso Wojtek fat bike. I saw that too. Yeah. Like, wow, that's a lot of machines. <laughs> yeah, that's a beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a. Uh, you know, I looked at fat bikes for a long time, um, and that was one of the first ones that I rode that held, felt like it had, like, the responsiveness yeah. of, uh, you know, a 29er or, you know, just a mountain bike. Yeah. And didn't feel quite so, you know, clumsy or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I just, I really dug the platform. I love their stuff. Yeah. It's a Another fun local brand. company. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was when I saw I was like, wow, that's a gorgeous machine. Yeah. I, uh, I love my... Uh, my salsa mucklock. Oh yeah, that that was one of the other ones I was looking at. Yeah, so I think I would have gotten that if the Atso hadn't yeah. come out. So. And my it's a few years old, so it's the it was the first alloy fork okay. version. Yeah, uh, and I really really like uh, the bike. And you know, you talked about the responsiveness. I'm like, I am not that technically sound on a mountain bike platform. <laughs> so for me. It yeah. was just an easier way to get over stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and there's <laughs> like, nothing to be <laughs> nothing to be ashamed of with I can that. I actually yeah. ride over a lot more stuff now than I ever used to be able to. No, totally. Um, but yeah, I love the fatty, and that's why I got rid of my 29er because yeah. I was only ever riding the fat bike anymore on the trails, and the 29er was kind of getting neglected. Like, yeah. Well, it needs a better a better <laughs> human. Yeah. Than somebody I. somebody should ride this bike, and yeah. right now it's not me. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's funny. You know, he's joked about the N plus one, but yeah. you know, there's always that, well, what's what's coming up next and what do I like? And, you know, it's hard to hard to think about, you know, what what more do I need? Because nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's like so those those are the four bikes that I've got that get the most time. Yeah. We've also I've also got and you probably saw this in the office as well, the trek the trek bike that we built with Art Crank a few years yeah. ago. Yeah. You need was, to keep that, that locked another... because I am going to steal that from you yeah. someday. Okay. I absolutely <laughs> Well, at least love I'll that. know where to look. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to be hard to find. Yeah. <laughs> That's a stunning bike. Yeah. You should tell people a little bit about that cuz yeah. it's gorgeous. Yeah. I was and we had uh, talked to Trek a number of years ago about working together on the shows and it didn't seem like that was going to fit into their marketing plans and then kind of out of the blue they said how would you like to create a bike together and it's like well let me think yes <laughs> um and, and you know just from a design standpoint what we wanted to do was create a graphics package that sort of adopted some of the techniques that people use in poster creation, mm-hmm. but also something that looked like riding a bike felt. So yeah. we were, you know, using different patterns like, you know, that you might see in comic book art to mm-hmm. evoke motion and yep. energy. Yep. Uh, and it's, it's a very busy design. Yeah. Um, but just, you know, in seeing it both standing still and in motion, especially with like the graphics on the wheels, it's yeah. like, this is, this is sort of an, a visual interpretation of the experience of riding a bike. Yeah. I, my, my, 
first when I first thought of him, like this is what would happen if Mondrian and Lichtenstein got together yep. and made a bike. Yeah, yeah, it's just stunning. Yeah, just love it. Yeah, you know, some people love it, some people don't like it as much. Really? But it's yeah, wow. it's, it's like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, but I think you know, and again, most but. bicycles are designed to be appealing to the broadest segment of the population of possible. We yeah. wanted to make a statement. We wanted to yeah. do something that evoked what we were all about yeah. and do it in bicycle form. So yeah. it was never designed to be really kind of a mass market creation. Yeah. And yeah. So of course, it's like anything else that you know, art. You know, people like what they like. Right. And, totally. Um, it uh, it accomplished exactly what won, and I yeah. got to build a bike. So yeah, that's <laughs> that didn't suck. Amazing, and you know it's it, it's just such a gorgeous machine. It's I, I'm I'm envious of that machine. So like I said, keep yeah. a close eye on it. Yeah, Google Google Art Crank Trek bike if you want to get a look at what we're talking about. Yeah, yep. This has been amazing. I mean, we're running running short on time here in Blast Beats and Bicycles. Charles, it's been so much fun to have you here in the studio with us no, today. My pleasure. Thanks yeah. for having me come in to tell stories and lies and Absolutely. talk bikes and art yeah. and, and, uh, and roll. tell people about the event one more time. Yeah, it's uh, Art Crank Minneapolis. It's happening next Saturday at the IDS Center from 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. Admission is free. Have uh, original bike-inspired posters by 40-plus local artists and uh, adult beverages courtesy of our friends at Fulton. And uh, where can people follow you on social media, that kind of thing? We are at, at, at Art Crank, <laughs> at, 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 at Art Crank um, on Twitter, on Instagram, and Facebook. Awesome. All right. Well, this has been Blast Beats and Bicycles, 91.7 WMCN, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. We will see you next week for another edition. Bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my Say white, say bar, I say bite, say shark, I say him and George was never my scene, and I don't like Star Wars. Say Rose, I say Royce, say God, give me a choice. Say Lord, I say Christ, I don't believe in Peter Pan, Frankenstein, or Superman.
said, Kane. You said, John. I said, Wayne. Hot dog. I said, Cool, man. I don't want to be the president of America. I said, Smile. I said, Cheese. I said, Please. I said, Jesus, I don't want to be a candidate for Vietnam. I want to gain. Cause all I want to 